podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Another win for Scotland, so another enjoyable Hand and Roar podcast imminent. We're joined by Barry Anderson of The Scotsman and Gordon Shear of The Tartan Scarf, along with me, Andy Barge, to discuss Scotland 2, Ireland 1, a great comeback victory last night at Hamden, a great atmosphere, around 50,000 people there. Lads, we're in a good shape now going into the Ukraine game on Tuesday. We're recording this on Sunday evening. So about 48 hours to go. Gordon, I'll come to you first. How are you feeling about the national team right now? You're always a glass half full guy, so you must be really spilling over the top. <laughs> yeah, look, I think I think um, there were so many pleasing aspects of the, the performance last night, of the result. I think, you know, we certainly, we, we will obviously come to this that the, First half performance was levels below what we saw midweek against Ukraine. I think part of that is understandable, the fact that we had come off that game against Ukraine, whereas Ireland had had a full week to train and prepare. They came with a game plan, and they were absolutely set about exploiting any tiredness in our legs. I think they exploited, they, they put that game plan into place really, really well in the first half. And it was a challenge for us. It was a problem. But as we've done many times before, we made changes, and we... We managed to solve that problem into the second half. So, yeah, there's there's, there's so much to be to be positive about this game uh, last night. And 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 looking ahead to Tuesday, we're now fortunate enough to be in a position where we know that one point is all we need. One point will do for promotion to League A, guaranteed playoff for the next Euros, guaranteed second seeding for the next Euros. What a huge opportunity that is! Um, obviously, we're we're a bit of a, in a walking wounded situation, whereas Ukraine had the luxury of make, being able to make 11 changes against Armenia yesterday so, so it's a big it's still a big ask as much as we're on the cusp of this big big achievement it's still going to be a big challenge for us on Tuesday but that momentum now and I think just the, the character of the team that you saw last night I mean spool the clock back to June we went 1-0 down in Dublin and we did not look like coming back into that game and we folded and we lost 3-0 went 1-0 down last night came back to win night and day couldn't have been more different Yes, Scotland needing one point to qualify should be read out by a very deep-voiced narrator accompanied by the exorcist theme or something like that. It's, a, it's not a predicament I feel too good about we're needing one point to qualify, even though we're in great shape, Barry. What, what pleased you most about last night? I think overall, you, I just had the feeling that, that Scotland were going to score. You know, even at, at one each, you had the feeling that you had the, the belief that there was another goal in this team. Okay, you, you can argue it came via the penalty spot, but I, I think it, it would have come anyway because they had the, the, the drive that they had, particularly after Ryan Fraser came on, um, you know, had, had a real kind of impetus when he came onto the pitch. But Ryan Christie as well, um, I thought Lyndon Dykes worked extremely hard, didn't get a lot of joy. We did miss Adams. 
in the final third, I think, for just link up play and, and a little bit of um, a little bit of cuteness, maybe a little bit more intelligence uh, with Bolly's feet. But there was there was attacking impetus in the team, and there was that intent to go forward and keep pushing and keep pushing the way they did against Ukraine. You know, for a long time in that Ukraine match, Scotland were on top, and we were saying to ourselves, you know, in the stand that we can't keep going on like this. We've got to get a breakthrough, and finally it came with John McGinn. And then, you know, the same thing has happened. So almost the two games were quite similar in that sense. You know, there was sustained Scottish pressure without goals flying in. And then eventually you get the breakthrough. And, it, and, and then, you know, the, I thought it was a really professional job from Scotland last night. I was really impressed. Let's chat about Ryan Christie. He, I did mention in the podcast the other day um, that he, he comes in for a lot of stick, particularly from Celtic fans. Apparently, he was quite frustrating in his final season there, shooting from here, there and everywhere. But he's a consistent performer for, for us, I would say. You know what you're going to get from Christy Gordon. Loads of desire, heart and quality um, on and off in the final third. I mean, I, I was last night um, sitting with my mates at the game saying, you know what, Christy, when, when he gets in these positions, I just would love his decision making to be a bit better um, at vital moments. And for the assist, it was... Inch perfect, really. I mean, the wee feint that he did to get past his marker, perfect cross for Jack Hendry. And then the composure yeah. to slot away his penalty as well. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Yeah, that, that that whole move for the equaliser was so pleasing for so many different ways. I think Ireland really, they hurt us in the first half just with their desire and their their intensity and their pace on the counter and their willingness for so many of their players to take the ball to feet and run with it. Pick the ball up, run with it and drag our team out of shape and that's something we just weren't doing when we got the ball especially in the first half it was it was slow passing it was we were finding it hard to build attacks and build uh, build territorial dominance and as soon as the second half starts that's what we started to do and obviously it's sparked by Jack Hendry running out of defense carrying the ball upfield which then suddenly opens options to him we move the ball a bit quickly and then you're right Christy Again, he's a player who who does have that ability to glide past people, to take on a man and run with the ball. He finally does it. He stands up the the defender, and yeah, finds finds Hendry with an absolutely pinpoint cross, which was was so so pleasing to see. And I think for the balance of the game and the way it played out, to be able to get that equaliser four minutes into the second half was just completely perfect, because then it allowed us to then just sort of totally reset. Because how often have we seen games where We've been a goal behind, and then the longer you get into the second half, you're thinking we might get an equaliser here, but we'll struggle to get a winner at this rate. So we had ample time to 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 build the pressure and get get the winner. You know, actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Gordon, because last night I felt there was uh, a show of patience from the fans. Normally, at one nil down, even after half an hour, if Scotland are being slow on the ball or probing it can often lead to jeers and boos and impatience among the support um, mm. as if an hour to get back into the game is not enough. So last night, though, in Scotland, Barry were maintaining possession around the halfway line, waiting for the moment to get in behind and, and struggling to do so. And it, I, it seems to me the crowd last night were a lot more understanding of, it's okay, we've got this, rather than, holy shit, get the ball forward. Yeah, I think so. And I get probably just go back to what I said a minute ago about that belief. I think we've all got it now. You can stand at Hamden or sit, depending on where, you're, where you are in the stadium, um, and, and you know that there's enough players on the park and there's enough talent on the bench, and there's even a, a, an opportunity if you want to mix it up. Scotland can play different styles now. How many times would you have said that about previous Scotland teams, that they can 
adapt depending what opponent they're playing against, you know, to try and target that opponent's weakness. You couldn't do that previously because Scotland had pretty much one style of play and it was sometimes it was quite predictable. Ireland, for example, last night were, for me, Scotland of 15 years ago in a lot of senses. They had, okay, 15 years ago, Scotland actually had a decent side, but Scotland <laughs> of many years ago, um, whereby they had a style of play, you knew what it was going to be before kickoff, and they stuck to it and they didn't have a plan B. You know, it was it was long balls in towards Troy Parrott and, uh, and Obafemi, and they've got that pace. They're trying to exploit the pace. They're trying to exploit physicality at free kicks. They scored second phase from a corner. Scotland can adapt to that. They can cope with that. They can change their own game to try and be, whether it be more physical, whether it be balls in the channels, if you want to turn the defence, whether it be balls into feet. I actually think they're better playing with balls to feet, but there's a belief there that no matter what kind of obstacle they come up against, as you say, Andy, where they have to be patient. The fans are willing to be more patient now because they, there's that confidence in the team. The fullback situation is a, a really peculiar one for Scotland. We're so strong there, at least three quality fullbacks on either side, and we're now down four of them. It's changed days. We briefly touched on this, Gordon. I think it was maybe the pod of the squads announced or the one after, I can't remember, where a while ago, this sort of injury crisis would have left us scraping the barrel, really, for who's going mm. to come in. Whereas now you've got Ralston and Taylor third in the pecking order for each side and nothing really changed at all. It was a shame for Hickey because he was having a good game uh, and he did well after coming on against Ukraine as well. And obviously losing Tierney, in my opinion, our best player is a blow. But Taylor came on, did well, continued his form from what he's producing at Celtic and Ralston on the right, fine as well. Yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. Yeah, I think it's it's phenomenally impressive the sort of depth of quality we've got in the team. But not not just that the amount, the way that these players are completely ready and prepared to come in. They know exactly what they're doing within the system, so that the the output of the team doesn't drop when they when they do have to make changes. Obviously, desperately disappointing to lose Hickey and Tierney last night. Tierney, it sounds like, was more precautionary based on a head knock hopefully he'll be still able to play on Tuesday Hickey I'm not quite sure um I do have to say particularly about Aaron Hickey I thought in our first half he was probably our best performer because he was one of the few players who was actually on the ball and willing to run with it and make forward runs ahead of his passes which I thought was really impressive you know and you know I I remember in in years past you know when we would maybe lose a key player to injury and the wheels would come off quite quickly. But I've, I've, I've jotted down a note of the, the the team we finished with last night. Now, bearing in mind players that we lost during this camp and before this camp, we, we finished, the, finished the game without on the pitch Tierney, Hickey, Patterson, Robertson, Suter, Cooper, and Hanley. Like, that's seven players who have been commanding first-choice players in our team. None of them were on the pitch at the end of the game last night, and we're still pushing, and we win the game, you know. That's an incredible uh, endorsement of the depth that we've got in this team. Although I will just shout out, because the, the tweet has just come out while we've been recording, Barry Mackay and Stephen Kingsley have joined the squad, Oof. and McKenna, McKenna, Tierney and McTominay have left the squad. Okay. Well, McTominay, McTominay was obviously Hello. suspended. Yeah. Good. So McTominay was obviously suspended for Tuesday anyway, so there's no real point in him sticking around. Tierney's unfortunate. McKenna, I'm not sure what the, the issue was there. Goodness knows who's now playing centre-back. But yeah, McKay and Kingsley got the call up. Who are the, the centre-backs now then? Portis? Portis Gallagher. Gallagher, okay. So it's probably going to be one of them alongside Hendry. 
pretty right. much, yeah. Okay. Well, that takes us on to McTominay nicely anyway, because when I put the tweet out today, Barry, uh, asking for points for the agenda, quite a lot of it was about who replaces McTominay because he was going to miss the game with a suspension. Ryan Jack, Billy Gilmore, Kenny McLean, who takes your fancy? I'd be happy with either, any of those three, to be honest. Um, I would probably edge more towards Gilmore than anybody, mainly because of the ball retention thing. I think he's out of the three of them. I think they're all decent at keeping the ball, but I think Gilmore's the best of the three. And in Ukraine, uh, or uh, Poland, as it's going to be, you're going to need people who can keep the ball and just be quite sensible and calm and composed on it. Um, and I think he does that the best. So for me, I would have no qualms with throwing him in. Naturally, there's the question over game time and match sharpness. I fully understand that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think it's going to be a totally different type of game compared to the last two that we've played in. This game is going to be very different. Uh, and and the, quite simply, if you want to get this point, and I don't think Scotland should ever go out and try and pay, play for a draw. I just don't think that works. Um, even the best teams in the world struggle to do that. But um, I would say that if you are going to manage to get a draw or any kind of result, then you have to keep the ball off the Ukrainians and because they're, they're clearly able to hurt us with the ball. We've seen that in the last couple of games that we've played. Um, so for me, you need to try and make sure there's a there's a clear game plan. Keep the ball with purpose and try to get forward with it, but let's not be giving it away cheaply as, we, as we've been up to do in the, in the past. I wonder what the problem is with McKenna. I didn't seem to have any problems, but I suppose Hickey remaining with the squad is a good thing. I know we've just said that the depth for the right-backs is fine now, but if he's there, still with the squad, unlike Tierney, then it must mean he's in contention to play. Yeah, yeah, you would think so. You would think so. As a, as a, and I think maybe to a lot of people's surprise, the two centre-backs that have played in, in these two games this week have been, have been excellent. You know, they haven't put a foot wrong. And I think maybe initially when you looked at that pairing, some people would have said, oh, wait a minute, is this going to work? You know, I haven't really played much together, but certainly in a back four. But I really liked the back four, and I understand why Craig, uh, why Steve Clark has stuck so so long with a back three. It has worked for Scotland. It's been effective. Um, but personally, I just think the players look so much more comfortable in a back four. The problem comes, of course, when Andy Robertson's back in the squad, and then it's how do you accommodate him and Tierney? We've been through that before, but yeah. I, I definitely like four over a back three. I don't know about you guys, you, you might have different ideas than me. I, I definitely think we look slicker with the back four. I think we move up the the pitch um, more dangerously. I, th I, I like Tierney, I don't want to get into the Robertson-Tierney thing just now, that's for another day, but I, I like Tierney at left back. And I think there are two centre-halves in this break, that's why I think it's a shame that McKenna's found himself injured. I think that they look like they're starting to grow quite a nice partnership together there. Uh, Hendry moves up the ball excellently from centre-half. Do you know he had a 100% pass rate last night, Jack Hendry? 60 out of 60 passes. Brilliant. Wow. And he started yeah. started the move, um, which he then finished off um, in the box like Lyndon Dykes to nod home. So I think that Jack Hendry and McKenna were starting to and at good ages as well, starting to form quite a nice uh, partnership. So it's a shame. Uh, and, I, and I like that, that four to answer your question, Barry. I, I really do. Um, and we can discuss the Robertson Tierney thing when that problem rears its head again, Gordon. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. God, how much, how much auction have we given that debate? We thought it was gone, but uh, 
yeah, it's back. But but you know, I, I I completely agree with you. I think I think having that foreign midfield, having that extra man in having that foreign defense, having the extra man in midfield, you're right, it has allowed us to to move the ball quicker. Obviously, we didn't do that in the first half yesterday, but they did at least get it going in the second half. Um and I think you know a, a special shout out has to be has to go to Ryan Fraser as well. You know, it must have been difficult for him coming back into the squad this week. Must have been a little bit awkward coming back after so long away. But I think he's been fantastic in his two uh, spells off the bench. I thought last night he gave us that forward momentum, the drive, the pace that we needed on the ball. Um, obviously got the two assists midweek. And yeah, I would like to see him start on Tuesday. I think he probably will start on Tuesday, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah, I think Adams will as well, Barry. I think he'll come back into the team. I think that's why Lyndon Dykes played for so long last night to give Adams ample time to... Uh, gets gets some more recovery in his legs. I know he came on for gosh, how long? I don't know, fifteen minutes maybe. Adams was it that long? Yeah, yeah. long. No, yeah, so well, I would expect long. him to start with Fraser on one side and Christie on the other. Does that sound about right to you, Barry? Yeah, I would think so. Um, I certainly think Adams. I go back to what I said about retention. Adams keeps the ball uh, probably best out of the Scotland strikers. Um, Links the play a little bit better. Dykes, Dykes is decent moves back to go, but more in the sense of flick-ons. You saw uh, last night quite a bit of balls, particularly in the first half, balls going forward to Dykes, and he would win most of his flick-ons, fair play to him. And John McGinn was in behind him, you know, clearly a tactic that Scotland had worked on. But if you're talking about just keeping the ball and keep, almost keeping it simpler or guaranteeing that you're going to retain the ball, then I think... I think that's uh, definitely one that you'd expect to come into the starting lineup. I think Jay Adams does it better than anyone that we've got at the moment. A few people, Gordon, saying that one of the players who was maybe slightly off his game last night, and I don't know if this is revisionism purely based on the fact it was his loose pass that led to the counter-attack that Ireland should have scored from the 2-on-1, is Callum McGregor, who's become, after quite a slow-ish start to his Scotland career, has become really important under Steve Clark. Did anything stick out to you about Callum McGregor last night? Yeah, not really. Not not really, because I I, th- I think you're you're absolutely right that, that Callum McGregor's best performances have gone largely unnoticed because he's just he's kept the ball moving, he's kept the wheels turning, he's kept he's kept things ticking over in a very unflashy way. So probably when he does make a mistake like he did last night, that does seem more glaring. Um, yeah. I, I don't think it was his best game for us last night, but then I think certainly for at least the first forty-five minutes, no player really had a good had a good game for us, apart from with the maybe minor exception of Aaron Hickey, who I thought did something. But yeah, I, th- I think I think our, our our midfield struggled to get into it early because I think we struggled with Ireland having two players up front, and we struggled with their the, the intensity of their press. It was effectively the trick that we played on Ukraine midweek where we just, they got right up in our faces all game and we really struggled to bring the ball out and, and bring it through 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 into midfield. We we constantly went from fullback to fullback and then tried to work it wide and we were sort of bypassing the midfield in the in, in the first half. And it was so difficult to get past Ireland in the first half. They did a, a really good job at that. I was, my, my seat in the North Stand is right in line with the goal line that we were attacking in the first half. And... You could see Ireland just had five, sometimes even six, but mostly five bodies just in a row, perfectly in a line, just moving across from one side of the park to the other. And whenever Christie or any of the midfielders were moving forward, there was just no room in, there was no room for the players to move into. 
to receive the ball to bounce off one another. It was so so difficult, Barry, in the, in the first half. Ireland did a job. I actually put a tweet out saying that Ireland were a poor side, and by what I meant by that was that in attack they looked relatively unthreatening. I didn't really feel that they were going to trouble us too much in open play unless it was from the counter because we had all the ball. I mean, I think the possession stats ended up um, almost two-thirds of the ball was in Scotland's favour. Yeah, I think you're bang on. I don't think it's the strongest Irish side that we've seen in our lifetimes. Um, and without being disrespectful, you know, they, they had, as I said earlier, they had that sort of that game plan and weren't really able to to change it up when they had to. Um, but yeah, Scotland had to be patient. They they couldn't they weren't getting in behind the Irish very very often at all. And that's as you say because they basically strong five men across the back, and they were you know the big uncompromising three big uncompromising centre backs that they had. Um, and Dykes, you know, with the best will in the world, Dykes has got a physical presence, but he's not going to steamroller steamroller his way past three centre halves of that size. So we had to. I think we had to change it up a little bit. I felt in the first half we went long just maybe two or three times too often and in the second half we needed to be a bit more a bit clever a bit more clever about our play um and that let that that the opening goal um but the equalizing goal i should say for scotland came from that from actually bringing the ball out of defense and focusing on a building a passing move and it led obviously to to christie getting his cross in from the left and and a really good header from jack henry so looking at the potential for the team on tuesday gordon you are You've got your ear to the ground with all of this. So for anyone that's unsure on why it's so important, sum up the benefits of Scotland going into League A here because I think still there will be, of course, it's nice to win promotion, but we'll end up in a group with, I don't know, Spain, Belgium and France or something. I don't know. Um, so why, why is it such a good thing? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously winning this group, yep, will get us promoted into the into League A of Nations League. So that will kick off in 2024 after the next Euros. So yeah, that will give, give us some glamour games. It'll give us some opportunities to play some big teams and, you know, who knows, maybe Hungary, you know, <laughs> in that as well. Um, but the real, the real meat of it and the real benefit of what that brings is by being, uh, by being promoted, <coughs> by winning our group, the the seedings for the next European Championships qualifying, which comes on the 9th of October, that seeding is based on Nations League ranking. So you've got 16 teams in League A. The top 10 of them will be in pot one. Obviously, Germany will qualify automatically. So we'll we'll, we'll get to that in a second. So top 10 go into pot one. The next, uh, next five, obviously, taking out Germany, go into pot two, meaning that there's five places for pot two go to teams in League B, four of which will be the group winners. So by being in pot, pot two, you know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you look at where the rankings are right now, it's, it's the difference of basically being in a, a European Championship qualifying group with, say, France and England and having to finish ahead of one of them to qualify for the Euros, which would be incredibly difficult. Whereas if we're seeded second and we finish where the seedings expect us to in second, we qualify automatically for the Euros. Of course, as well, if we're in pot two, if we, if we if we win this Nations League group, we'll also be guaranteed a playoff place for Euro 2024 if we need it as well. So this is a huge investment for us that could continue to pay dividends over the next 12 months. Um, so it's, it's massively important to do that to, and, and to seal this group. And does it have, or would it have, longer ramifications because 
the the next Nations League that we play in, which let's say we do we do it and we get past Ukraine uh, in the final game and we get promoted, does that mean that we are in very good nick for a likely playoff in the next Nations League group stage based on the fact that most of the countries in League A qualify automatically? So France, Belgium, Holland, whoever, they are unlikely to need the playoffs that could come as a benefit to them. So therefore it trickles down League A where we would be. Is that right or wrong? So unfortunately not. Um, the, really, the, 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 the key time that you get benefits from Nations League for playoffs is looking ahead to the Euros. Because when it comes to when when the next qualifying campaign is a World Cup qualifying campaign, it's only group winners in Nations League that can then get a playoff. So we would have to then win our League A group to then be in the shout in with a shout for getting a playoff for the World Cup. Because if you remember, we'll that, no what's that, Mark? We'll do that, no bother. Well, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because I mean, if you remember the, the the World Cup qualifying campaign that we just had, you had your ten groups, those top ten teams go to the World Cup automatically. The 10 runners-up, of which we were one because we finished behind Denmark, they went into the playoffs. And then there was two teams from Nations League that joined them in the playoffs. And that was, if I remember correctly, that was Czech Republic and Wales because they won their Nations League groups in League B. So they joined the playoffs for the World Cup. So so had there been a team in League A that didn't qualify for the World Cup, but didn't win their Nations League group, they wouldn't have got a playoff place because it can only go to our group winner. Okay. There are games happening tonight, aren't there? Isn't there? There are, yes. So this is uh, this will have changed by the time the podcast is out, which is uh, I'm going to schedule for tomorrow morning. But the confirmed pots for Euro 2024 at the moment are in pot two, Wales, England, Bosnia and fucking Israel. So it would be nice to get into pot two to avoid um, another double header against Israel. Uh, pot one, just full of danger. All the teams you're thinking of, plus Hungary. So yeah, it's it is important. In pot three, Sweden, Armenia, Romania, Slovakia, and Republic of Ireland all confirmed. I get Turkey down in pot four. No thanks. Uh, Greece as well, and then the usuals in five and six. Okay, so yeah, massively important uh, and a draw is enough. So what team would you like to see to, to do that? Do you think it will be the back four again, Barry? I certainly hope so. Um, and it's kind of strange saying that when you've got four English Premier League fullbacks missing, potentially missing, and, and you're not massively bothered about it. It's, it's, a, it's disappointing, but you've still got confidence, you know, certainly from last night, that Romston and Taylor, if it is those two, can come in and do a job. So yeah, I definitely would stick with the back four. Um <clears throat> Do you, think, do you think, do you think there's any chance or do you think there's any chance Clark will set up for a point and maybe go, maybe stick Gallagher in between two other centre-backs? I think there's a chance of him going with a three, but I, I hope not. But I certainly, I wouldn't, I think there's a possibility that he'll go over there, if nothing else, for the surprise factor to start up, start off with, with a back three and potentially, you know, see how it goes, first 20 minutes, is it working, is it not, and then change from there. I don't know if he would like if he would do that as early in that game, but I really hope not. I think the back four suits everybody, uh, particularly when you're not got to try and accommodate Tierney and Robertson right. in one team. I think it makes much more sense just play a back four, keep it simple. We've seen um, Gordon the back three doesn't really work without Tierney. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th- I think as well, you, you're right. I, I, Steve, Steve Clark certainly said, and, and, and the players have said as well, post-match last night, that the mentality isn't going to change, that they, that they feel like they're going to go away from home on Tuesday and go for the win because that's just, that's the way this team seemed to be built, you know? I mean, I, I, was, I was looking back through the recent recent results, you know, in, in our last 12 competitive games, we've only lost two and we've won 10. You know, this isn't a team that play for draws. This is a team that go and fight fight for wins and we've had quite a few late winners as well in that, in that period as well. So, yeah, I, I, I think they'll absolutely be going out. Same again, continue play the way they've been playing and and and, and go for the win and yeah I, I hope they do they, they do stick with the four in that regard looking at the the defenders it there are not huge options for center back i suppose if he was going to go with a three gallagher would probably play in the middle of that henry would be on the right and then you'd have kingsley or porteous on the left barry now these are guys you'll have seen a lot of or Either of them, I suppose you'll say yes for Kingsley. I know you're a big fan, equipped to come straight into the team uh, in such a huge match in Ukraine. I think for both of them, it's, it's a very difficult game to come into. Um, regardless of how they're playing for their clubs, it's it's a totally different level. It's a different environment. It's away from home. There's obviously a lot riding on the game. So it's extremely difficult to whoever gets pitched in, if there's one of these, you know, whether it's um, Kingsley, Portis, whoever, it's extremely difficult to go into that um, in a team where you're not, you know, let's not let's not kid on. These guys have, aren't regulars with Scotland. They're not even regulars in the Scotland squad, so it's difficult to to throw to be thrown into that kind of setup. But if it's a back three, I, I think it makes sense play play Kingsley on the left. He's you know he's left foot. He's been playing there for Hearts for for long enough now and very used to that role. Um, I've said many times online on Twitter and things like that that he is the closest thing that Scotland have to Kieran Tierney. I'm not suggesting he's of Kieran Tierney's quality, but he's got very similar attributes and he's the closest thing that we have because he'll take the ball out of defence down the left side. He'll go round a wing back. He'll overlap, underlap. He's comfortable enough on the ball. Decent in the air without being a giant. So, And he's got a tremendous free kick on him as well. Mm. So I think there's an option there to, if you're going to play a back three, but I hope not. I actually would much prefer Stephen Kingsley sitting the bench and Scotland to play a back four on... On uh, on Tuesday night against Ukraine, consisting of who then, Gordon? Henry plus Gallagher. He's got about ten caps, does he, Gallagher? Ish, um, nine. So it would be his tenth cap if he comes on. Uh, so is that the best way forward? Uh, you, we we can say with certainty that Henry will play, and um, provided yeah. n- no disasters in- injury wise. So he's going to have someone new next to him, regardless. Gallagher, oh, yeah. I mean, Gallagher, Porteous, absolutely. or Kingsley. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely no, no, no matter what, this is obviously going to be a brand new defensive unit in there. But as as we said earlier, we've gone through quite a few of them already in this past week, you know, with, with Ralston's coming in, with Taylor coming in, with Patterson in and injured and Tierney in and injured. So, and I, I've, I've got confidence that, that we'll hopefully be okay, I think. I would probably expect to see Gallagher start simply because he's been around Steve Clark's sides before. He's played for Scotland before. He only knows what it's about. He's played high-pressure away games like in Serbia for for us. So I, I would maybe expect it to be potentially a back four of maybe Taylor, Gallagher, Hendry, Hickey, if fit. You know, that's that, that feels all right to me. In the midfield, are we going to settle on... A three here in midfield. 
or do we all have different opinions? I, I can't see McGregor being dropped personally, and I'm not sure I would either. It comes yeah. down to who is next to him, Jack, Gilmore, maybe even McLean. We know Clark likes McLean. Maybe McLean will start. And then McGinn um, just in front in the more advanced playmaking position. What do you reckon, Barry? Yeah, it's been interesting that McLean has come onto the pitch in the last two games as a sub. Uh, and Gilmore's been left out. So, <clears throat> again, that'll be due to Matt Sharpness, you would imagine, um, not playing regularly at club level. So you could easily see Kenny McLean coming into that midfield. And I wouldn't have a massive issue with that because I think if you're playing the, the, the kind of 4-2-3-1 style where John McGinn is, is the attacking midfielder and there's two behind him, then McGregor with McLean is fine by me. McGregor with Gilmore is fine by me. These guys are very good at keeping the ball. And I just think that's probably the most important aspect of this game on Tuesday is Scotland keeping hold of the ball, frustrating the Ukrainians, not giving away possession cheaply and not allowing them to spring attacks on us like like they're very, you know, we've seen them do it a couple of times um, in the last couple of matches that that we've played against them. They are very, very good at it. So quick, uh, so slick at getting the ball into danger areas and we end up scrambling a little bit. So don't give them the ball in the first place has got to be the best option, I would say. Yeah, we've spoken about the pleasing depth of the right-backs now, Gordon, but Ralston is really going to have to be in his toes for Mudrick on the left-hand side. Oh, absolutely. You know, I think as 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 much as Ukraine didn't threaten much midweek and don't think even had a shot on target, it was quite clear that the, the, the game plan they came in with was to expose the space that... that Patterson was leaving behind himself uh, in the right-back position and getting Mudrick in behind because, yeah, his pace is absolutely terrifying. So, yeah, we will have to be very, very well-drilled to, to 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 keep an eye on that. And, of course, as we said, he didn't start yesterday against Armenia. I think he came off the bench, so he'll be gassed up and ready to go. Alan, uh, who is on the podcast, Alan Risk on the podcast now and again from the Air Force One page, has asked if Chris, Christie is undroppable, Barry. There is often a vacancy behind the striker um, because when we've been playing 3-4-3, McGinn has been cemented as one of the supporting attackers and then it's take your pick from Armstrong, Christie, Fraser, if or when he's involved. We've maybe thought it would be Jacob Brown's time in this break, which didn't materialise. But is Christie a reliable, reliable performer for us to the extent that he is undroppable? I think right at this minute for this game on Tuesday, you would say, yeah, you'd be crazy to drop him. Um, his impact in the game last night, the you know the assist for <clears throat> excuse me, the assist for the goal, and then that sort of maturity to to step up, take that penalty, and and just calmly put it away. You, you can't buy that kind of composure and and uh, belief at international level. And I think he's got that, um, and he's also a ball carrier, as we touched on earlier. He's able to get the ball drives forward with it 20 yards, confident enough to take a man on, got the skill level to beat an opponent. I think, yeah, he's he's a must on, on the left side. Other side, you probably look. Uh, I don't think Armstrong's been brilliant in the two games uh, against Ukraine and Ireland, but I think you probably start him ahead of Fraser and keep Fraser for later on if you end up chasing the game and needing a goal to try and get back in it. That's just me kind of surmising it. Um, Steve Clark might see it differently, but I certainly think that that's probably the way to go. Well, we don't have many options, actually, to influence the game in that way. So Fraser is definitely a better player to bring off the bench to impact a game, Gordon. 
But does, is that balanced out by Armstrong being a better person to start the game? Or would you rather see Fraser let loose from kickoff? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think the, the the balance of this game is going to be really fascinating because obviously for us we know that a draw is enough and a win is is, is obviously enough as well to get us promoted. Whereas Ukraine, for them to win the group, they need to win. So the onus is on them to come and attack. So I think having a guy like Ryan Fraser on from the start, knowing that Ukraine are going to have to throw everything at it, we can effectively do to them, hopefully what Ireland did to us quite effectively last night and and sit and wait on the counter and use the pace that we've got to get in behind them. You know, we can, we can take advantage of their, their hopefully growing desperation as the, as, as the game goes on. So, and, and I just think as well, I think, I think Fraser has, has, has earned the start. I think he's been, he's been excellent in the last, in the last two games. Um, I appreciate that maybe then limits your options to change the game, but obviously we've now, we've just added Barry Mackay into the squad. So Fair. potentially he could then change things up again from the bench. Now, we've only got a couple of minutes of the, the Zoom left, so let me put this one to you, Barry. A couple of years ago, I've mentioned it a few times on recent pods, Fraser and Dykes developed a really good partnership throughout the Nations League when we had uh, behind closed doors. Do you think Clark will opt to use them together again? I know they linked up well from a set piece a couple of times against Ukraine, but an open play, do you think that might be something Clark has up his sleeve and opt to use that rather than Shea Adams? Um. I would guess not from the start. I think his approach to this game will be quite similar to, uh, or his starting lineup to this for this game will be quite similar to the starting lineup against Ukraine at Hamden. I think he'll go with the same type of uh, setup, which which I would agree with. I think um, Dykes was very effective coming off the bench last week, as we saw with, with both his goals. And clearly, the aerial threat is a danger, but it's probably more of a danger in this context. It's maybe more of a danger later on in the game when the Ukrainians are a little bit tired and they're maybe not up for as much of a physical battle. And Ryan Fraser, likewise, can have more of an impact, as we just discussed a minute ago, coming off the bench and using his pace and his direct approach. So that, that's what I would do. That's what I hope he does. So question marks then over who will partner Jack Hendry in defence. A, a bit of a smaller question mark on whether Clark will go back to three-man defence rather than keep it um, with the two centre-halves. Part a question mark over who will play in midfield alongside probably Callum McGregor uh, and also question mark over will Ryan Fraser come in from the start those are the three things that really remain to be seen with uh, about 48 hours before kickoff so yeah guys we will uh, get a podcast again after the game uh, we'll claw a few guests together and uh, we'll either be gloriously reflecting on Scotland's promotion or being annoyed at another missed opportunity slipping through our fingers so Barry Gordon thanks very much for coming on and we'll see how it plays out on Tuesday night pleasure Andy Sports Social Podcast Network